0: Say it with me, Jesus, come on, Jesus, you're here, you may as well party, people, we're here, Jesus, say it with me, Jesus, has something good for me today. He does. So we're doing the Gospel of John. We're in the seventh chapter of the Gospel of John. We're going to finish up this chapter today. There's lots of good stuff in here, so I'm going to read this portion of Scripture. I want to welcome everybody watching my live stream. I want to encourage all you all to shout a and scream and, uh, and connect with some people who don't know the Lord and need to get a little hope in their life. Uh, so, okay, on the last day of the great feast, this is John chapter 7, verse 37 is where I'm reading from. Uh, the last day of The last day of the great festival, Jesus stood and with a loud voice cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty, let them come to me and let them drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the power of the Holy Spirit, who was yet to, to be given because those who believed were to receive later. Upon, up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Upon hearing these words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, he's the Messiah. Still others said, how can the Messiah be from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town of David? Thus, the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid their hands upon him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests. The chief priests had sent the temple guards to arrest him. And the Pharisees said, why didn't you bring him in? And they looked at the temple, they looked at the priests and said, nobody talks like this guy. And they said, are you also deceived? And the Pharisee says, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing, this they have, they believe in him. And Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, and one who was one of the number of the Pharisees, said, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him out and what he has to say? And the chief priests replied to him, are you also from Galilee? Look into it and you will find that no prophet comes from Galilee. Amen. So here's the deal. Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles. So I want to help you guys, and you guys want you guys to be very, very versed in how you know it's it's important. We understand, we have to understand things from the right, from the viewpoint of the biblical writers. We have to have to understand things from the context of the biblical writers. In other words, what's going on here? So Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles. God, in the book of Leviticus, gave, say it with me, seven feasts. Seven feasts. That's right. He gave them seven feasts, these feasts called mikras and moeds. They were appointments, and they were rehearsals. So God gave them a day, and he said, this is an appointment. You are to come to meet with me, and you are to assemble yourselves, and I will meet with you. I will do something significant on this day. And so for centuries, the Jewish people would gather and they would meet for the appointment with God and they would also do a rehearsal. Everybody had to rehearse something. There was all this participation. So it was, all, it was almost like performance art going on in the, in the feast. One of those feasts would be an easy one for us to understand because it's probably the one that we're most familiar with is Passover. So they were to go to Passover and God, the, the, the feasts were a prophetic Uh, They were a remembrance, but they were also a prophetic declaration of what God would do in the future. So the feasts were given to remember the things that the Lord had done, but the feasts were also given to point to something that was going to happen significantly in the future. And so the Feast of Passover was when Israel came out of Egypt, was delivered from the bondage of Egypt, was delivered from Pharaoh, and the bondage and the slavery of that, uh, that time, but it was pointing, so Passover was to remember that, that the children of Israel came out by blood and came out by water, but it was pointing to a significant time when the Passover lamb would become the true Passover lamb to deliver us from a greater bondage by blood and water. So one of the things that ends up happening at uh, the feast of Passover, the way the people would participate, and I'll show you how they participate in, in tabernacles, they would participate in Passover, every family had to get a lamb. Right, I call him Larry, Larry the Lamb, and so they were required. Imagine this: those of you with small children, right? Anybody have small kids that like pets, right? You know what I'm saying? They love pets. I love kitties, Mom. I love, you know, my my uh, my grandson's like really into bunnies. He has two bunnies, one's named Cookie, one's named Oatmeal, right? Yes, I, my my daughter sent me a video yesterday of um, Cookie, the one that has the really floppy ears, and she's playing. I know, some of you are going to go, anathema. You know, she's playing Bob Marley in the background, and the bunny is, like, jamming to Bob Marley. The bunny's just, look, sitting up, and then he starts hopping. Everything gonna be all right. And the bunny starts hopping, you know. Uh, she says, So anyway, crazy stuff. So, and my, you know, Rowan is, like, totally into it. So what these families would have to do is they'd have to bring a lamb into the, um, into the, uh, into the family. They'd have to have that lamb. They'd have that lamb the whole week the kids would play with it, and they'd bond with it and feed it. And then at the end of the week, on the day of Passover, Dad would take Larry the lamb by a leash and lead him up the temple mount. And they would have to watch, the family would have to watch the lamb be slain. And, the, and they would be like, why, Dad? Why, why is this lamb dying for me? Why is he dying? And the, and the father would have to instruct the family that the lamb is dying for us. This is, a, this is an atoning sacrifice. This is a, an atonement for our sin and our separation from God. And so it was always a visual memorial. And they, can you imagine? You have to bring your kids. Talking about trauma, you know. But it would embed it into their psyche that, that sin costs. And it would embed it into their psyche that it was the blood. That, that, that someone has to pay the price for me. And so they would watch this blood run, a lot of stories behind Passover. But that's one of the ways that they would have to participate. Then they would have to do a dinner. They'd bring Larry the lamb home. You know, the priest would cut it up, and they'd be having lamb chops and pork, you know, for, for, eat, for dinner. And they would have to have a dinner of Larry. And so while they're eating Larry, they're having a talk, and they would have a dinner called a Seder. And it was a dinner with a story. And so the whole feast was a participation it was to embed something into their memory. Tabernacles is no different. All of the feasts had some participating. So Tabernacles is, is no different. Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles. One of the things that the people had to do is they had to build booths, tents, if you will. I call it the national camping trip, right? Sucos. S- yeah, Sukkos. Yeah, you got me. Yeah, you're with me. Yeah, Chuck's, Chuck's going to correct me on my... On my uh, <laughs> but that's, You're right. Right? Feast of Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles. They had to to create a Sukkot. They had to create it, and they had to create it out of branches of specific trees. So everybody would have a national camping trip. They would party with Jesus, and it was a feast. Say it with me. There was no sadness sadness. in in this feast. It's the only feast where God commands rejoicing. They were, not to be a, they were not to cry, they were not to mourn, they were not to complain, they were to celebrate the goodness of God and the greatness of God, and they were to share with one another. If anybody didn't have anything, you know, Tony's got an extra rack of ribs, Carmen's running a little short, she's got more family members on, Tony's like, hey, no problem, here you go, you know. And so that was the way Tabernacles went, and it was a celebration, and it was to remember When Israel was tabernacle dwelling with God in the wilderness. And the Lord dwelt among them in the wilderness coming out of Egypt. So it was to remember that. It points to the future. Revelation 21 says what? Behold, the tabernacle of... Is with... Nobody knows that one? Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he who sat upon the throne... We've got to say this part too. Says, behold... I make all things new. Aren't you waiting for that? It's a Greek word, palingenesia. All things new. Jesus is going to come in his glory and his goodness, and he will tabernacle and dwell upon the earth. This isn't isn't an option. We don't get to vote on this. Jesus is coming, and he's going to bring the fullness of his glory, and he's going to bring the fullness of his kingdom with him. Man can't stop it. They cannot wage against it. They cannot vote against it. The glory of God and the tabernacle of God is coming, and that feast will be fulfilled. Four out of seven have been fulfilled. Three haven't been fulfilled. Jesus will fulfill the final feast. The spring feasts have been fulfilled, but the latter rain hasn't come yet. The former rain has come, but the latter rain hasn't come. And the three remaining feasts are the latter rain, the feast of trumpets, the blowing of the shofar, the ingathering, the atonement, the day of atonement, which is where God will atone for the rejection of Israel. Zechariah, they will look upon me whom they were pierced, and they will mourn as one who has lost a son. Yeah? And then tabernacles. Here he comes. <laughs> and he makes all things new. Genesia. It's one of my favorite words in the Bible. It's when he says, I make all things new. It means everything. Like brand new. Brand new, brand new what? Brand new body. How about that one? Right? Brand new world. The government will be upon his shoulders, and there will be peace. He is Shiloh. There will be equity. There will be justice in a world of injustice, in a world of prejudice, in a world of all of this despair and destruction and poverty and weakness and brokenness. It will be no more. And he says, Behold. (laughs) Behold. Anytime Jesus says, Behold, it means pay attention to this. You know, Check this out, because you're not going to see this a lot. You're probably only going to see this once in eternity. You're going to see me do this one time, right? And we will watch and marvel as the king of glory makes all things new. How's he going to do it? He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And so what's happening here in the Feast of Tabernacles is they were to build sukkos. They were to build tabernacles. They were to build booths out of these specific species of plants, and they get it from Leviticus 23, and I'll give you a little bit more background. It says, now on the first day of the feast, this is from Leviticus, talking about the Feast of Tabernacles, on the first day, so from the first day to the last day, they were to go and gra- gather tree branches. They were to gather foliage. Um, I, um, Alex, did you get that, uh, that slide I sent you? Yeah, okay, yeah, just hold that up there. We'll, we'll come back to that. Um, so he's, he's already on it. Alex, you just, boom. You know, anyway. Uh, you shall take for yourself foliage of beautiful trees and palm branches and boughs of all of the leafy trees, the willows from the brook. And you shall gather these branches. And with these branches, you shall say it with me rejoice before the Lord. So every day on the feast, the people, thousands and thousands of people, would go to the temple mount with boughs of trees willow, myrtle, palm, they would have boughs in their hands and they would gather around the, uh, the ark. And as they gathered around the ark with the willows, just a sea of people gathered around the ark, they would sing the psalms. They would sing five of the hallel, Psalm 113 to 118, I think, they would sing the hallels, And so they would just be rejoicing and they would do that every day for seven days. Another thing that they would do, show the lulav, put that up there, so what it became is so after the temple was gone, the, the rabbis instituted this, this remembrance thing. It's called a lulav, and it's, four, it's called the four species. And they're different. There's a myrtle, there's a willow, there's a date palm, and there's a citrus. And they represent the, the, the types of people. It's a remembrance of the type of people. We're trees, right? One of the ways God references us is his trees. And so one of, some of them had fruit and fragrance, some of them had fruit, no fragrance. Some of them had fragrance and no fruit. Some of them had neither fruit nor fragrance. And it was to represent the children of Israel and that they represented these four species and that there were people among God's people who had neither knowledge nor deeds. So it represented. And the citrus was what everybody was going for, to be what? Fruitful. That you would have knowledge, but you would also have deeds. So the date palm has fruit, but it doesn't have any scent right? The willow doesn't have scent and doesn't have fruit. The myrtle has scent, but doesn't have fruit. You get the picture? The citrus has scent, you can smell it, and it has fruit, right? And so it was to re- that was one of the things that it represented, and so you'd see the people, they would be carrying these lulavs, and that's what they were called. and so that was the idea. Every morning, they would gather around, they would stand around. On the seventh day, everybody say, on the seventh day, which is the great day of the feast. So this is the epic moment of the feast. Can you imagine? What, you know, So the, the people would come together, and they would gather together, as they had done for six days, and they would hold their palm branches, and then they would begin to move around the ark, a sea of people moving in circumference around the ark, and they would move around the ark seven times. Anybody want to guess what that's a memorial to? Starts with a J, ends with an O. There you are, Jericho. It was to remember not just the wilderness wandering, but it was to remember the moment of their breakthrough that they broke through, that they crossed over. And so the sea of people is marching around singing, right? They're singing the Halels. Who is this king of glory? They would be singing that, you know? They would be singing, um, uh, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the people would go, Hosanna, hosanna, hosanna. They would be singing in the round. The priests would be leading them. Can you imagine thousands of people singing in a chorus, marching around this altar and singing? But wait, there's more. The priest on this day would go to the pool of Siloam, which is considered the healing pool, and he would go to the healing pool at Siloam, and he would draw water out of the healing pool of Siloam, and he would climb up on top of this Platform, and there would be a silver funnel running down to the altar, and he would pour the water down the silver altar into the or down the silver funnel into the altar. So prophetically, silver represents righteousness. The water coming down. How many times does Jesus say, "I've come down"? I've come down. He's speaking their language. And when that would happen, all of the people would recite. Watch this the people would recite. So when the priests poured it down, this is what they would do year after year after year after year after year and decade after decade after decade. And they would recite Isaiah 12. Surely God is my salvation. I trust and I will not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense and he has become my salvation. They're reciting this and Jesus is standing right there, right? With joy we draw waters from the well of salvation. In that day you will say give praise to the Lord proclaim his name make him known among the nations for what he has done and proclaim his name for he is exalted sing to the Lord they just had finished singing for he has done glorious things let it be known throughout the world everybody say it with me shout shout yeah shout to the Lord and sing for and sing for joy you people of Zion for great is the holy one of Israel among them So they had just recited this verse about drawing water from salvation. Jesus steps up and says what? If anyone thirsts, come to me, and I will give and you believe in me, and out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. He uses the word crazen. He speaks over them. He stands up and he speaks with a loud voice. Can you imagine? You say, that's a little startling. That's the point. You're just singing. You're going through the routine. And Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, Hallelujah. come to me, and I will give you living water. Hallelujah. Shout to awaken the soul a little bit, right? Yeah. And we'd waken them up. Who believes in me as the scripture said, out of their belly will flow living water. That's this moment. That's the moment that, that's being described here, right? Very Epic. Very prophetic. There's three things here going on here. Jesus says, Is anyone thirsty? Right? The way we come to Christ is through thirst. You don't come to Jesus at the top of your game. Nobody comes to Jesus at the top of your game. And some of y'all are believers, right? Some of y'all are believers, and every time you're at the top of your game, you don't need Jesus. Do you? Wait a minute, Pastor. When you're rolling and you got it going on and everything's up and to the right, you don't need Jesus. But as soon as it starts to crash, oh, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Because Jesus is your first responder. You have to make a transition where he's no longer a first responder, where he's Lord. Right? Where you follow him and your life is integrated with him. And he's just not doing triage on you all the time. Right? That's what happens. We love him in the up and we love him in the down. He's the God of the the hills and the valleys, people. Right? It's better with him, I can tell you that. Ego is destructive. Every time people get get successful in any way, the first first enemy is ego and pride. Self-exaltation. Every single time. Right? When we're down at self-pity. Nobody knows. We like to have a pity party. We invite our friends. Oh, I'm going through it all. You don't know. Oh, God loves you. I, I don't think God loves me. Oh, no, God doesn't love me. When we're high and up, we don't need Jesus. We're rolling, right? We're in with the in crowd. We don't need anybody else. And we're down. So the way we come to Christ, and oftentimes the way people return to Jesus, is when they're thirsty. The gospel is not, the gospel's for everyone, but the arrogant won't receive it. They just won't right? You can be financially successful and spiritually bankrupt, and you can receive Christ. You can be economically impoverished and spiritually arrogant, and you'll never receive Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who understand the emptiness that they have, those who understand their inability to cope and do life, right? I became a Christian, thought I had to do all this myself, and then I realized I don't have the ability to do this, So I think I need to give up my ability, and I need to live in and through his ability. And everything changed. Go figure. It's an amazing thing. Is anyone thirsty? Are you aware of the emptiness or the lack within you? Is there a longing for deliverance? Is there a longing for hope? Is there a longing for life, forgiveness, and freedom? This is the impartation that comes to the person who receives Jesus, but to those of you that are believers and have given your heart to Christ and you're born again, what this is, is this is a well that it continues to flow and to move and to flow and to move. It's a river of life. And it's given to you. And what happens a lot of times is Christians cap that well. You know, we put a cap over it. We we hide it. You know, we don't want anybody to know it's there. We we get we move away from the well. Right? We abandon the fountain of living water. That's what it says in Isaiah. We abandon it. We abandon the fountain of living water and we go off and do things on our own. Or we go up and adopt ide- ideologies that are our own. We follow the ways of men and not the ways of the kingdom. Right? I'm not talking about smoking, drinking, and chewing. I'm talking about attitudes. I'm talking about heart. I'm talking about thought. Right? You flow with an economy of the earth. When you're commanded and called to flow with the economy of heaven, <gasps> yeah, Christianity is not a spectator sport, ladies and gentlemen. And so for us, even now, some of you in the room and you're Christians, some people that are watching, you're longing for hope. It's in the spirit. You're longing for deliverance to be free from the bondages of your life and the things that still trap you. See, the big misnomer is that Christians got it all together. And we like to pretend that. Shiny, happy people on Sunday morning, Right? Nobody, nobody's got anything wrong. Everybody shows up, oh, hey, bless God, and everything, and then their life is completely shot out on the back end. You know, the reality is, is we need Jesus every minute of every hour of every day, every minute of every hour of every day. Yeah? I need him in the morning. I need him in the noontime. I need him when the sun goes down. I need him all the time. Created to be codependent upon Jesus. I like to share this every now and then because I think it makes a very good point is codependency is so strong to the human because we're created to be codependent. This is why the impulse to be codependent is so strong, because we're created to be codependent. But we're not created to be codependent on people, places, things, drugs, habits, you know, adrenaline. We're not created to be codependent on those things. We're created to be codependent upon him. To need him every minute of every hour of every day is the deer pants for the water, right? We're interdependent with one another, yeah? But we're codependent upon him. You need him. The minute you don't think you need him is the minute, you know, start the clock, man. Start the clock. Anybody with me here? Right? You know what I'm saying? I need him every day of every moment. And so when we're longing for that, the reason that we don't have it is you're not in the well, Just experiences that I've had with the Lord and I could talk to the Lord and everything. He's like, Kevin, there's a well. Drop the bucket, dude. You're standing outside of a well that I've given you and you're complaining to me when I've given you the well. The well is the Holy Spirit. Drop the bucket. Get in the Spirit. You cannot operate and function in Christianity in any sense of functionality without the Holy Spirit. You can't. It becomes extremely dysfunctional. It becomes religious, and it becomes very, very rigid without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is life and peace, right? Joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what he brings. When you get into the Holy Spirit, you become a genius, don't you? Anybody with me? Right? You start worshiping. Some of you are worshiping this morning, and you're like, I know what I'm going to do now. You know, well, where did that come from? Because you're worshiping, and God gave you clarity Access to the mind of Christ. Being able to see beyond this world. This is what it is. God shows you a hope and a future. These, this, this power is in the Spirit. And you have to drop the bucket. You have to access it. You, some A lot of you are like me. You stand outside the well and complain to God. Ah! Or you complain to your neighbor and you sit around and dry, and dry your tears. When you have the well, you have the well. You need to practice the presence and learn to flow in and with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Or not, <laughs> or be out like most people. I have a saying, man, if Jesus died for it, I want it. If he paid the price in blood so that I can have it, then I need to honor that and I need to value it. Some of you, I know the, I know the arguments, you know, you're like, oh, the Holy Spirit's not my thing. And I'll, and I'll agree with you, I'll say, yeah, the Holy Spirit's not your thing, but it's Jesus' thing. Jesus says the Holy Spirit's greater than me and He's a gift to you. It is to your benefit that I go. Right? Because I'm going to give you the treasure of heaven. And the treasure of heaven will come in the govern in the form of the administrator of the kingdom of heaven, who is the Holy Spirit. He will take from that which I paid for, and he will manifest it to you. All that the Father has is mine, Jesus said. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will take from that which is mine. Well, what's Jesus's? All that the Father has. Everything I have, and the Holy Spirit, and only through the Holy Spirit, only through the Holy Spirit will that come into our lives. Only. I confess the word. Good for you. There's access points. There's authority points. You're going to see the ball move. Partner with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to see the world move. I got one. I got, an, I got one amen on that, so that's amen. good. There we go. <laughs> this is an ongoing promise. He belongs to you, Christian. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing. He's not the ether. He's a person. He can be grieved. He can can celebrate. He's a person. You can grieve him, right? He has a personality. He has a mind. He has a heart. He has a will. He has an intent. And most of you, he stands outside your life like this because that's the position you've relegated him to. Another story for another day. So Jesus says, first thing is, are you thirsty? To the unbeliever, are you thirsty? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you bound and broken in whatever it is that you have? To the believer, are you sick and tired of a faith that doesn't work? <gasps> I've been a Christian too long, man. Don't give me that. We see miracles. We see power. We see kingdoms. Because we go for the kingdom. We go for the power. We lean in. I've been around a lot of Christianity, and there's no faith to move mountains. Faith cannot overcome circumstances. And I watch Christian after Christian after Christian after church after leader bow to the circumstances. Because they don't understand overcoming power. They understand it. They can quote it, but they can't manifest it. There's a big difference between quoting it and manifesting. Can I get a witness on that, right? There's a big difference between Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, my God will supply all of my needs. There's a big difference between saying that and seeing that come forth in your life on a consistent basis. There's a big difference. <laughs> it's an ongoing promise, Christian. Know that. And He says, "Come unto me." There's only unto me. There's only one qualification to the living water, and it's that you come. Well, there's two, actually, that you come and drink. But you have to come. There's no other qualification. He doesn't put a moral qualification on it. He doesn't say, clean up that morality and that immorality in your life. Get your life together. And then once you have your life together, then you come to me. He doesn't say, learn the doctrinal tenets of all religious institutions. You know, relegate yourself to observe all the laws of men. And then you can come to me. All can come. The only barrier... Is the, only, the entrance point is your thirst, is your desire at the deepest level of your life. You have to want it. Amen. To the unbeliever, they have to know that they're impoverished. They have to know that they don't know the Lord and that there is no answer. I talk to people, they've been to psychics, they've been to gurus, they've been to doctors, they've, they've watched Dr. Phil. You know, They got the complete set of 20 years of Oprah Winfrey and they're no better. At all. They're impoverished in their soul. Jesus is the desire of nations. He is what you're looking for. He's the one and only. He's the one who made you. He created you on purpose with a purpose. You're created in his likeness, in his image. Even if you're separated from you, he's, he's calling you home. To the Christian, it's the same idea. There's something greater. There's something greater. There's something greater. There's a greater life. There is an abundant life. Yeah, John 10. We'll get. I think we. are Yeah, we'll get there. I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Abundant life. Anybody want that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what abundant life. Abundant. You know, when Jesus says abundant, I'm like, what is that? An overflowing, enriched, teeming life. Everything around you prospers. You go through it. Right. We're anointed with oil. We go through it. <laughs> it doesn't grab us because we're anointed with oil. Crazy, right? Drink, fully consume, assimilate, integrate. You must come to me, and you must drink. What does this mean? You must take him. Jesus said you must believe. The the word belief is pistos, and it means to fully embrace. So when you give your life to Christ, it's not, I think I believe and I understand. It's like, I give my being. That's the exchange. Your being. All that I am for all that you are. I give my being, and I fully embrace even what I don't understand. I believe that you are. That's faith. Without understanding. Jesus said you must drink. You must take and draw from me and continually. Do you, can anybody go a couple days without water? Right? I drink so much water it's crazy. Right? I drink more than a gallon a day. I, just, I'm just like, I pound water like crazy. I don't think I can go an hour without drinking water. You know, Shelly's always complaining. Whose water bottles are all these back there? And I'm like mine. (laughs) You can't go a day without Jesus, Christian. You can't go a day without the Holy Spirit. The fountain is available to you to drink. You have to learn to drink. You have to learn to worship. You have to learn to let His presence come to you. You have to learn. You have to step outside of stress and step into the Spirit. Say, I don't have time for that. Make the time. Take the time. Stress will rule you or you or not. Life by default, life by design. That's what we were talking about last week. He says, out of their belly will flow the rivers of living water. It's the Greek word zoe. It's a life that only comes from God. So Jesus gives a life that only comes from him. You have biological life. You have life within the soul, right? Suke, life within your soul. But Jesus is the only one that gives the animate life. That's the life he's talking about. Life within life, that's the word. It's an unexplainable word. That's why I think the gospel writer said or Jesus chose uh, Greek was because Greek is probably the highest language of the day. It's the most definitive language of the day because no other language could compare to the way that Greek describes. You know? So when they use this word zoe, it means life within life. And you're like, what does that mean exactly? What does that mean? It means life to the full, animate, right? Don't you want animate life? Don't you want to live an animate life? Don't you want to experience and let the flow of your life be animate? You're alive. You're animate. You're not depressed. I'm not saying you're running down the street like Pollyanna throwing flowers in the air, but you're alive. You know what I mean? You're alive. It's in the Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit. It's by power. It's the river that your Father has given you. He's a gift. See, I think about this, and I think um, the way that the Gospels are written, I think that John got, like, whacked by the Holy Spirit. Because if you read like the tone of the other gospels, so like you'll look at Matthew. When Matthew's writing, Matthew's whole thing is it's prophetic. Jesus does a miracle and Matthew's like, this is prophetic. This is prophetic. This was done to fulfill this. That's Matthew, right? Mark, the whole gospel is about healing and deliverance, right? Where are the infirmed and where are the demons at? That's what Mark's going for. So all throughout the book of Mark, people are getting healed, and the devils are going going their way. He's all in. Luke, Luke's like, he describes it to us, and he's like, it was beautiful, man. I mean, Luke's encounter. There were angels. There was singing. It was so beautiful. Prodigal sons were coming home. Samaritans were reconciling. It's like, it was beautiful. (laughs) That's Luke. John's like, man, it's like the Holy Spirit, man. It's like, like, like river, man. It's like water. He mentions water and the river. Probably 30% of the book of John is talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> He's like, it's just like, what's it like? What was it like being around John? He was like, what, Jesus? He's like, what? He's like water, man. Just like waves and water and power, you know, moving through. And that's how he's talking. That's how John writes. He writes all the time about the Holy Spirit. And you'll see like John 14, 15, and 16. Is all about the Holy Spirit. John 3, all about the Holy Spirit. Born of spirit and born of water and born of spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to you. Access, say it with me. Through the Holy Spirit. Now tell me how cool this sounds. I have access to an immersive environment. It's what it's like to be in the Spirit. It's an immersive environment. You're in another world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Most people shy away from it because they're unfamiliar with that world. And what happens when you begin to, you have to learn to navigate it. So here's what Christians do they get in the spirit and they're all like, oh, ha, hoo, ha, ha. You know? You're supposed to go into it and immerse. It's like, like underwater, it's a realm. And you're disoriented because you're not used to it. You understand? It's like you can liken it to going underwater. If you're a scuba diver or something, you're not used to it. You have to compress and you have to decompress, right? You have to learn to navigate. You have to become familiar with a world that you're not familiar with because it's his world, right? We're the only ones who have access to that world. And so that's what the realm of the spirit is all about. That's the immersiveness in the spirit. We kind of go into the waiting pool, you know, but there are deeper places within the spirit, in my Father's house are many mansions. We think we get a house. Well, yeah, you might get a house, but the word isn't house. The word is aranos. In my Father's house are many realms. That's the word. Yeah, we don't teach that one, do we? Do you know why? Because it's too mind-blowing. We would actually have to talk about the Holy Spirit if we use the word aranos, right? Because that's, we can talk about a house and we can say, oh, you know, I'm going to get me a little corner acre up there on the Cliff over there, look overlooking the Sea of Galilee, bless God, that's my house. My father's house has got many mansions, that's my mansion up there. How about realms? In my father's house, there are many realms, there are many places of access. Jesus said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. There are keys to the realms. Just a thought. Yeah, just a thought. Say how, you know, you have to learn the spirit, man. Great and mighty things you know not of. You don't know it. Great and mighty things. I don't understand it. Above and beyond what you can ask or think. What he does, he tells you, I'm going to blow your mind. Yes. If Jesus isn't blowing your mind, you know, there's a problem. I like, the, I like him to blow my mind. Right? I, that's what I want. Exactly. But we want to understand it all. But all—he's already qualifies it. It's, it's beyond what you can think. So this is what, 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 what uh, Jesus is talking about. This is this realm, this immersiveness. You get into the spirit and God will show you things. It's not just an experience, and encounter. That's part of it. All the children get to play. And that's the playground. The, spirit, the spiritual realm, worship, integration with the Holy Spirit. Now you get to play. But it's also a realm of authority. It's also a realm of wisdom. It's also a realm of power. It's a realm of strength. It's a realm of revelation. God will show you what you need to know from that place, in that place. He'll give you understanding from that place. The access to the Spirit, we so undervalue that. We undervalue it greatly. The Lord's got a word for you. He doesn't have a word for you. He's got a revelation for you. He's got a direction for you. Get in the Holy Spirit. Just begin to worship the Lord. Get in the Spirit. Lord, you know my heart. You know where I'm at. You know, stop complaining, right? Don't complain. I'd complain. Complaints go up. You can complain, but at some point, Jesus will listen to your complaints. This is what he does. I, you shouldn't complain sideways, so I, I, let me correct myself on that. I complain. My complaints go up. And the Lord's like, okay, are you finished, Kevin? I'm like, I think so. I think I'm done. I might have a couple more in your pocket. Okay, well, get them out of your pocket. Give me all your complaints. Now, what do you want? Now, what do you want? I don't know. That's what most people are. They just want to complain, and they have no understanding what they want. They have no understanding what they need. They don't understand the communion and the relationship that's involved to get that. You have to commune with the Lord. He's not your bellhop. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. He's not DoorDash, right? I need a Whopper and two cheeseburgers and an order of fries, and I need it here in 10 minutes. Make that happen. Or no tip. Click. Click. And if you don't make it happen, I won't be in church on Sunday. Click. That's how we treat him, it, man. It's not true. It's a relationship. It's a communion. Right? Spend time with me. Let me know you. He'll take care of your problems. Anybody? I, I don't want to live a life where Jesus is just taking care of my problems. I want to live a life that's everlasting. I want to live a life that's communal. I want to live a life that moves me from glory to glory. There's a consistency. I want that consistency. Right? And so that requires a relationship with him. That requires a communion with him. That requires some other part of what most do not do. And so you have to develop that. It's developing it. Read your word. Worship. Come to church. Those are basic elements, guys. We want, here's what it says. You, you cannot run with, say it with me. I cannot run with the horses if I cannot keep up with the footmen. Mm-hmm. What's that saying? It's saying that you want, to, you want to launch rockets and you don't know remedial math. You want, to, you want the high things and you can't even do the basic things. The basic things, read your Bible, pray, commit and connect to church, uh, live, in, live on, uh, financially give and live on mission. Those are the basic elements of this relationship. And every one of them is relational. And those are, that, that is preschool and elementary school for all Christians. You're not going to graduate school without that. You're not. You have to have those things in your life. People can achieve a lot through human exertion. And a lot of Christians, they're high achievers. And so they achieve a lot through human exertion. And they circumvent the principles of God only to see the, the, the downfall of that. And they, because they built it, they have to rebuild it. But if Jesus builds it, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it why because if jesus builds the house and like lord the hurricane knocked it down he's like no problem we're going to get you a better one it was time to move anyway he'll rebuild it he backs up what he does you understand so you can achieve a lot and i meet christians all the time i tell them these things and they'll say things to me like well i don't believe that's true i don't do no 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 and i'm like yeah okay the wind will come the rain will fall right what you built will be tested and tried the work that you've done will be tested and tried. And it will be tested and tried to see if it is of the Lord or if it's not. That's the idea. You want to partner with Jesus. You do. Don't you? Right? I do. So the Holy Spirit comes to give you access to an immersive environment. He, he is in us. He is on. He, he comes into us so, so that when we worship, what happens, and I'll just give you a simple analogy. I'm going to keep moving. I've got to get through this because we got communion. Jesus has something good for you. So He comes into us and this fountain, as you begin to open up, this river begins to move over you and empower you. The Holy Spirit is para, parakletos. The Holy Spirit is en, Greek word en. And the Holy Spirit comes upon, which is the word epi. It's the presence and power, and you can feel him. I know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, you feel fire. You feel power. You feel strength. You feel neutral. You feel faith. You feel confidence, and you feel water. And that's what John was into the water, clearly. It's like a river, like waves, 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 experiential. Holy Spirit's experiential. He's a person, and we experience him. And when he's with you, you know, the power that you're feeling is the joy that he has because you're letting him do something for you. You know that? Feel the Holy Spirit, and you're like, wow. Some of you are like, what is this? What's going on? going on. Holy Spirit's like, oh, okay, don't worry about it. I won't won't do anything. So he does. But when you feel the power of God, anybody know what I'm talking about? You feel this joy. You just start this this exusion of joy, right? Peace, joy, righteousness in the Holy Spirit, right? So you feel this exusion of joy. You know, one of the reasons why there's joy is because he's really happy. He's happy to be with you. What? Nobody's happy to be with me. The Holy Spirit's happy to be with you. Your dog doesn't love you. You know, your cat ignores you. Kids don't like you. You know, wife's got you sleeping on the couch. (gasps) Too close. But Jesus, the Holy Spirit loves you and wants to be with you. Always. That's why when you ask Him to come, He comes immediately. There's almost no hesitation when you ask Him. There's like almost no hesitation. Holy Spirit, come. Boom. You can sense His presence when you learn to practice the presence. And it's not he'll teach you his presence in order to teach you his personhood, right? We learn his presence, and then we learn the personhood of the Holy Spirit. He's amazing. So the Holy Spirit is experiential. Come on, you got a river. I've got a river, living water, fountain that never will run dry. Come on. It's an open heaven. That he is releasing. And we will never be denied. you got to stir that well up. You take it to the world. So the, the river runs in us, moves over us, and it's to flow outwardly to the world. The Holy Spirit matters and the Christian matters. Jesus said, go into all the world. And proclaim the gospel. Jesus said, go to the highways and the byways and compel them. The only people that can do that are people that have a river in them. River of life. So we're going to do two things. We're going to have communion here in a second, but I want to challenge you. We're doing this thing for Easter. So let me tell you about Easter real quick. We're doing, say it with me, Supernatural Sunday. That's right. We're doing Easter like no other. We're going to do Experience Resurrection Power. So we're going to do a shorter teaching, and we're going to do a time of ministry in both services. We want to experience Resurrection Power. Are you guys excited about that? Yes, yes you should be. All right. So one of the things that we're doing, too, is our leadership are forming teams and the team that brings the most people. Sherry and I are going to take you to Pisco Nazca in Doral. And it's an amazing restaurant. And we want to take you there and celebrate. So what I want to challenge you to do is I want you to sign up today and what's going to happen you might be able to bribe Shelly to get on the team that you want. I don't know. I don't know. What do you take, Shelly? Cash app? I don't know what you take. Anyway. But sign up on the, um, on the, on the, the list over there that you want to. We have a list, right? We have that over there. Do we have that over there? We do. Excellent. Sign up. Be a part. We're asking everybody to invite 10 people. If a team of 10 invites 10 people, that means that's 100 people. The response rate typically is if you invite 10, you're going to get one. That's typically the response. And that's why Christians get discouraged when they evangelize. I invited one person and they didn't come. I'm like, invite ten. Invite ten. Reach out to ten and you'll start to see traction. It's a num say with me. It's a numbers game. That's right. That's why he tells us to go to the highways and the byways. We're gonna give you flyers. You can go hand out the flyers. What we want you to do is get on a team. We want you to name your team. We want you to strategize with your team. And we want you to compete with all the other teams. And we want to bring people on Easter. You say, why Easter? Because it's one of the only times where pe- people are open to coming to church. One of the most dominant ones. They don't even know when to come to church. They just think, okay, yeah, I guess it's Easter. I guess I should come to church. That's a, uh, I think that'll be all right. That's the only time when people are really open, right? Other than Mother's Day. That's the second one. And I call Mother's Day the guilt day, where moms just go, if you loved me, you'd come to church with me. So moms, moms it's the guilt trip day, right? I encourage moms, guilt trip your kids, get them to church, whatever, your family, it's Mother's Day. If you love me, you come. You know, anyway. But Easter's good. So we want you to sign. I want to challenge you with this. Everybody say it with me. <laughs> Where there is no challenge, there is no change. Say this. Are you up for it? Say, I accept the challenge. I don't know what I'm doing. But the Holy Spirit does. Just pray. Ask the Lord. Who do I invite? He'll show you. Jesus wants to reach people more than you do. Some of you have businesses, right? I know Hadassah's got a, she's got a, where is she? I can't, she's over, yeah, I knew you were somewhere. She's got a hair salon. She's got a captive audience. That girl's in curlers for the next hour, Hadassah. You you can just say, here, on your way out the door, I'd like to invite you to church, you know, whatever. Some of you have businesses. Some of you, you go to Starbucks every day, you just take a handful of them and throw them in the Starbucks window as you're driving by. It doesn't matter, you know? Make it happen. Go to the highways and the byways. And here's an easy thing. You pray for them. Ready? Say it with me. Pray for them. Pick them up. I'll pick you up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I don't have a ride or I'm not sure. No, dude, I'll pick you up. I'll take you to lunch. Say it with me. So here we go. Pray. Pick them up. Ready? Pay for their lunch. There you go. Yeah? That's what we want you to do. We want you to encourage them. Some of them, you'll get your friends to come. You're like, man, you've never bought me anything. You're going to buy me lunch? I'm going to church with you just so I can get lunch. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it takes. Fish and chips, man. Whatever it takes. Become all things to all people that we might win some. Amen? Are you up for it? Sign up. Don't leave today without signing up. Your captain will call. And so so now I have to make a transition to communion. So we want to just, I'm going to pray over our streaming audience, and then we're going, to, we're going to take communion. So I just want to pray over everybody out there. We'll tell you thank you. And we want to bless you and say the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine down upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord give you peace, and may the Lord forever keep you in his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week. So we're going to do communion here at Elevate. And communion is one of the things its called common union. That's where we get the word. That we're, we're as one with Christ. And we're as one together. We're brothers and sisters. And so Jesus gave us, his, gave us the bread and gave us the, the blood. as a memorial of what he gave for us. He gave his life for us. And he wants us to celebrate this, and he wants us to remember. It's something we, we have to remember, right? We forget. We so easily forget what and why. So what's going to happen, Jody's going to play, and as Jody plays, if you would just make your way up and around and grab the communion element and keep it with you, and we're going to take it together. So let's just go ahead and do that and make your way up and around. told Pilate, he said, you would have no authority over me at all if we're not given to you from above. He said, no one takes my life. I give it away. <laughs> and if I give it away, then I have the power to take it up again. He gave it away for you. I still have a piece. Yours are joy. Yours joy. Let him be your joy and watch your life change. Uh, don't let your car be your joy. Don't let your job, your, you know, so many things are disappointing. Jesus doesn't disappoint. man. Let him be your joy. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, is forever seated in authority at the right hand of the majesty. He's not seated any longer as the Elohim. He's seated as the Son of Man. He's the divine representative of the human race. Jesus isn't representing angels. He's representing you. He took on humanity so that He and I could be like him. And that forever we would have authority. That man would no longer be destined to be subjected. He's not a victim. He's a victor. The Bible says we're seated with him in authority. He loves you. He's for you. Say, how much do you love me, Jesus? He stretched out his arms and he died. He said, this much. How much does he love you? You're holding it in your hand. Right? Say, this represents the body of Jesus that was given for me. I believe it. I receive it. It is no small thing. Let's take it together. He gave his disciples the cup of redemption. And he said, this cup represents a new covenant. I'm making a new covenant with you. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. All that is former is no more. My covenant with you is to bless you. My covenant with you is to work with you. My covenant with you is to be with you. No longer separated, but I bind myself to you with my blood. No higher binding right in the spirit than blood, none higher. Bind yourself to him and watch your life change. Hold up the cup. Say, this represents the blood of Jesus. It was given for me. I believe it. I receive it. It is no small thing. Let's take it together. All right. We should have a prayer team available for any of you all that need prayer. Please make your way over there. People, they will pray for you. Amen. And so let me pray over you. May the Lord bless you in every way. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may you forever live within his favor in Jesus' name. God loves you. We love you. Have a wonderful week. Air fives all around.